uh, Skullboys. The Street Press Podcast with Sean Fraser. For a start, there are not enough white men doing podcasts. I've got to always support that when that comes along. I was talking to a mate today at a baby queue. We didn't cook a baby. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that yeah. was. I just want to thank you. Yeah, no, it was me. He wouldn't shake our hand until he finished putting on his glove. Imagine what he's like during the pandemic. <laughs> well, I got you here for the podcast after your big night last oh. night, so I'm stoked with that. I get a thrill knowing that you're doing what you're doing. That's good. Well, I don't know what I'm doing today. We're just sort of just winging it. Did you moon Kylie Minogue? Yeah. Hello and welcome to the Street Press Podcast. My name is Sean Fraser. I am the host of this podcast. We're up to episode number 70. I hope you've been doing well. I hope you're feeling great. We are a week out from Christmas. Exciting times. I know there's a few of you, or probably the majority of you, who are, you know, going on a bit of a break, two, three weeks off over Christmas. It's a great time of year. Uh, I'm recording this actually on the day that it drops. This is Wednesday, so it's a bit dark and gloomy outside. I usually record the podcast the day before on the Tuesday, but uh, yeah, this time of year things are hectic, so... I've jumped in the studio just after work to make sure that I get an episode out. We're doing something different with this episode, with episode 70. Uh, we're going to do a bit of a recap of the very first episode on the Street Press podcast. Now, that you're probably wondering why we're doing this. Well, it's all in the name of data. I had a look at the podcast wrapped a couple of weeks ago, and in there, I realized that... of the people who listen to this podcast jumped on this year. Obviously, the podcast has been going since last year. So I put two and two together and I thought there might be a few episodes from the back catalogue that people might really enjoy, especially uh, a lot of the new listeners from 2023. So I thought maybe this week is a good opportunity to jump on and play you an episode, the very first episode that I ever did. Uh, It was in a car park. (laughs) It's funny to think, actually. The very first episode of the Street Press podcast, I was in a car with Lindsay McDougall from Friends of Rome. I told him a couple of days before that I had this podcast idea. I just want to interview anyone from the music industry. And I asked him if he wanted to jump on. He told me, yep, in a couple of days' time, I'm going to be playing a gig on the Central Coast, which isn't too far from you. So maybe we uh, we can do it there. And I, I agreed. I was like, yeah, this would be great. So I grabbed this little system from work, uh, two microphones. And just before Frenzel took to the stage at Wombrel Ocean View Cafe, I pulled Lindsay aside and I said, let's go and, uh, let's go and have a chat. So we jumped in the car and pressed record. Uh, like I said, very first interview for the podcast. So it was cool to do it that way. I don't think I've done it that way ever since. I've done a few with microphones and face-to-face, uh, I don't know, Mark Gable, Mitch Clues, there were a few others, uh, Mitch Willard, where I spoke with them with microphones in front. But for the majority, we've done a lot of Zoom calls. I much prefer sitting opposite people, but it's one of those things where you just can't get that all the time. Sometimes people's schedules just don't match up, so you've got to do it you know, the best way that you can possible at that time, and that's through Zoom. Before we get into the episode, though, and uh, the replay of an episode, I do a lot of promo at the back end of the podcast and I thought there's some of the stuff that might get missed by regular listeners because fair enough, you might listen to the interview and then switch straight off. And at the back end of the episode, I usually like talk about things like who wrote in that week. That's the letter segment. I talk about the band, if the band's doing anything, that sort of thing. But I thought I'd bring some of that stuff to the front of the podcast this week 
just let you know some important things just in case you're missing out on it each week. Now, the Street Press Podcast does have a YouTube channel and I got hit up a couple of weeks ago by one of the listeners and they said, hey, YouTube's cool. You've got a couple of snippets up, but I want to be able to watch the entire episode that you do. Well, good news. I have decided to start doing that. Full episodes are going up on YouTube. Uh, At the moment, we've got Ben Stewart's one from Slowly Slowly. That's up on YouTube. We've got Fletcher Drag from Pennywise. The full episode is there. And today, I have just put up... Will Wagner, who is the singer of the Smith Street Band. So that's three full episodes. I'm looking at doing the majority of the episodes that you've heard until this point. I'm going to grab the video, if I do have the video, and put it up on the YouTube page. Don't forget the podcast also has an Instagram account where you can contact me on there. I know that I push people to the website to send me letters and whatnot. But if you also want to just contact me on the Instagram, the Instagram is at the Street Press Podcast. I get a few messages through the Instagram account uh, and I know that that's probably some of your jam, like uh, that's the way that you want to contact. So follow me on there. I'll hit you back. Uh, You can check out the website, thestreetpresspodcast.com. That's where I have the videos up there. I have the membership up there. Um, I have a bunch of other things. I've written a few articles they're on there. Uh, when I get the time, I sort of just jump on there and bash away at the keyboard and see whatever comes out. Usually it's artists who have been on the pod that I talk about. Also, uh, last week we had a Ripper episode. It was Jai Alatas from Below Par Records. He jumped on and I got a few people writing in about that one. A lot of people were saying his story was really inspiring and I completely agree. We hadn't had anyone on from a record label before, but he's sort of way to the top of the music industry was amazing. You know, he's a 16-year-old kid, was in high school, comes up with this idea while he wags an excursion. I think it was a swimming carnival he wagged, went and saw a movie, got inspired by that, went home and said, Mum and Dad, I'm making a record label. Give me 50 bucks. <laughs> and the record label goes on to sign Kiss Chasey and Something With Numbers. Um, at the end of this episode, I'm going to reveal a couple of letters that people wrote in about last week's episode. It was a really big response, so uh, it was really nice to hear. But like I said, at the top of this episode, we're going back. We're going all the way back to August 2022. The very first Street Press podcast episode was with Lindsay McDougall, the guitarist of Friends or Rom. He's such a funny guy. He's a really clever dude too and an incredible guitarist as well. We had a chat about all things. Now, when you are listening to this interview you need to keep in mind <laughs> that it's an episode from last year so if he's talking about an album it's already out if he's talking about gigs he's already played a hundred since then so this is purely just for your enjoyment i feel like this is an episode that anyone who's jumped on board this year might enjoy so let's get it on this is Lindsay mcdougall the guitarist from friends will rock One, two, testing one, two. <clears throat> That's right. Here we are in the car at Womberall Ocean View Cafe Car Park. Uh, I was going to do the old um, three, two, one, we're recording, but uh, Lindsay, we're, uh, we're already on, mate. Yeah, you've, know, already, you've already called us in. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited to be here on the beautiful Central Coast, the second best coast in the world. What's the best? The South Coast, New South Wales. Of course, Laura, right. Laura that's, that's where you yeah, are, right? Absolutely, yes. Not not tonight, but yes, normally, yeah. And you're playing above a cafe tonight? It's a very strange... Uh, this place, when we saw... 
okay, I didn't know the I didn't know the cafe existed. I didn't know the suburb existed. <laughs> uh, I had not heard of this suburb on the Central Coast. But there's you know the Central Coast is this weird. It's kind of like the um. You know the what's the things in your lungs that you got that's like looks like cauliflower? It's that. That's what oh, the Central okay. Coast is. All of those capillaries and stuff going everywhere. That's what the Central Coast is. And so we're on one of those. Um, and yes, and we're in the car park because it's a yeah. This is this is place not renowned for its loud um, enthusiastic punk rock concerts. Not usually above a, a cafe do you find a punk band. And this venue, they're just starting to kick this off. Yeah. And, Friends of Rom. Yeah, this, this will, is unreal. This will be the one that uh, you know either kicks it off and makes it an institution, or it will never happen again. <laughs> um, but it's so far so good. We sound checked, and uh, it all sounded great. And they've been very lovely, and they fed us some veggie burgers that were lovely, and they gave us beer, and that's all that we really ask for. That's all that matters. Mm. Now I've got to tell you that I've just let. I've got this collared shirt on. Yes, yeah, right? so, yeah, I. I you thinking that? that up, I, you you know. thinking I've dressed up for you? And, and look. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I w- would have, but mm-hmm. I have actually come from a 40th birthday. I'm in the middle of the 40th birthday. I said, right. look, I've got to go have a chat <laughs> and watch Friends of Rome, and then I'll come back. What's happening at the 40th? Is the 40th better? Should we, should we both go to the 40th? Is well, it? here's the thing. The guy, Cam, he's 40. And I said, <laughs> oh, I'm just going to do an interview with um, uh, Lindsay, Friends of Rome. He said, can I come? And he wanted to leave. He's 40. <laughs> and I'm telling you, there's, there's a really like, lavish kind of 40th. Like, okay. This Central drink. Coast sort of 40th, though. Would, yeah, yeah, I mean, as lavish as you can get, really. But mm. uh, So I had this drink, and it had a bloody oyster in it. Have you had Oh, I don't eat oysters. Yeah. But uh, was it like a like a tequila, sort of like a like a Bloody Mary sort of drink with oysters? Bloody Mary with, a, with an yeah, oyster in I've it. Yeah, I've seen that. Because you make Bloody Marys with, obviously, the tomato, but sometimes tomato juice with clam, clam essence or clam juice in it. Right. Very, very kind of... Uh, I think Los Angeles, Californian kind of vibe, obviously, and, and Latin American. <laughs> One oyster down, and you're here. Yeah, I'm going to go interview Lindsay in my Zero car. Zero oysters. Yeah, there's no oysters <laughs> in this car, I'm afraid. Um, I, I, I kicked off this podcast because I just wanted well, to let be... me just, I'm going to press the display button. Yeah. Are you pressing things on the... There it is. I just wanted to make sure because I didn't see that. Oh, you were worried. I wanted to make sure that, it was, that, yeah, that, it, that the it timer wasn't okay. elapsing. We are recording. Yeah. We are recording. That's the one thing about the, the Morans, everyone knows, everyone loves the Morans. If you're listening, you're a Morans fan. Uh, you can only have the one thing on the display. You can either have the uh, the, the, the faders so you know that the voices are going in or the, dis, or the time we, elapsed. Yeah, we are talking about the recording gear yes. that I've brought here. And, um, uh, Beautiful I, piece of I've kit. Be, I've been handed this really – it's a relic, really. Mm. It's an old uh, – it's an old thing. This is from the yeah from the old days. I think this is probably what one of your uh, one of your previous journalists, maybe one of the presenters, yes. probably used to use. Probably dead now, but yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yes. I mean, this is like this is probably old. died doing an interview. <laughs> In fact, their last words would would have been on this. Like, oh, I'm not feeling that good, actually. Can I just can I ask that question again in a second? That was their last word. Yeah, and that was it. And it's probably in there in the in the recording. <laughs> or or their last question was like a very, very provocative question for someone that was much stronger than them and with a bit of a uh, hair trigger temper. <laughs> Possibly. Well, I tell you what, it's great to have you here in the car at the at the yeah. surf club. Thank you. Uh, on the podcast. Because are you going to do all of your interviews now in cars? Well, in the well car if this comes out okay, then I think I might actually <laughs> actually do that. Something about it. It was cool that just during the week I just send you a, a message on Instagram, and mm. I was like, "Who can I interview for the podcast?" And I thought of you, and I thought oh, I'll just send him a message, see if he replies. Bang! 
Hmm. Replied straight away. We organised it. Because, and here we are. <laughs> just coincidentally, we're both in this part of the. Uh, of yeah. The yeah. Yeah. But I mean, there's other people that just see my message and. Have <laughs> you been left on red? Oh yeah, times. yeah. You know, you know, you try to kick things off like this, and, and people just, mm. you know, they just they just look at it and go, "Who's this?" Yeah. Right. No, I, I mean, feel like um, for a start, there are not enough white people doing white men doing podcasts. I've got to always support that when that comes <laughs> along. But uh, but also, I, uh, I I okay. So maybe twenty years. Years ago, I would not have been so forthcoming with an interview. I would have been like, oh, bloody hell, bloody interviews. Oh, what are they going to ask us some dumb questions, etc." And then I got into radio and realised, oh, it's actually really hard. And now I feel a certain compassion and empathy for everyone who's trying to do interviews. So You are a fellow radio. And, yeah. you know, being a radio guy, you sort of look at podcasts like, oh, I'll never do a podcast, you know. <laughs> it's all about radio. It's, it's happening right radio. now. It's happening. Yeah, it's happening yeah. right now. Yes, and, yes. And, then, and here I fucking am. Radio moments. But you know, but then radio these days is also packaged, repackaged up into podcast form or to, to listen back again form, depending on who you're doing it. So it, I feel like they are they are kissing cousins, radio and podcast. Sometimes they get into bed together, but they are definitely related. <laughs> that is good. They do get into bed together <laughs> sometimes. Do. And how is your radio career going? Uh, you're in Illawarra now. I am. I work for ABC Illawarra. That's in Wollongong on New South Wales South Coast, the best, the best coast in the world. And uh, it's the best. So I worked at Triple J for ten, just over ten years, and had a little break, and was driving around Australia when I found out the job was going. And my wife is from Wollongong, or from the Wollongong area, and I'm from just above the Wollongong area in the Sutherland Shire. Um, and I hadn't, I hadn't lived there for like 25 years, but um, we were like, oh well, maybe we want to move to Wollongong, mm. and because we were living in Sydney, in Newtown, and so yeah, I got the. Uh, uh, the job interview thingy and all that sort of stuff. And yeah. yeah, it's been it's the best. It's um, working for the ABC is different to Triple J. It's much more because um, it's an ABC local. It's much more geographical based. So a, Triple J is nationwide. So you can't really focus on any towns except when you do the localism is is hard to oh, do yeah. on Triple J. Nationally is very hard, and 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 so being able to focus on a place that you live places that you know, um, you know, shops that you know, people that you know, business that you know, politicians, music that you know, and that and that people listening know because they see them down the street rather than they know because they hear them on the radio or whatever, you know. So you can talk to bands that are playing just up the road and you can talk to politicians that are making decisions, you know, the, the local mayors that are filling in potholes on the roads that you drive to work, you know. It's very local radio. But yeah, no, it's great. And also, there's like a giant escarpment and there's beaches and it's yeah. the best. In local radio, you sometimes you've got to hit like a quota, especially in news. Like you've got to, every half hour, you've got to have a minute of local news or something. <laughs> and you talking about potholes just reminds me of when I was working here on the Central Coast in radio. Mm. And uh, we'd be like, oh, shit, we, we've got no local stories. You know, the local football team didn't play on the weekend. Mm. We've really got to make this quota. And then we just ring the council <laughs> and just ask <laughs> what holes they were filling in. <laughs> What and that'd be the story. What do you got for us? <laughs> yeah, well, there's always there's there's always some uh, announcement. There's like a, a council meeting's happening on a night, and you can say what's going to be talk, discussed at the meeting. Uh, what happened at the meeting? Uh, what are you planning to bring to the meeting? Yeah, yeah there's like yeah. there's like four or five days <laughs> worth of content out of that. Yeah, yeah. So we are talking about Central Coast. Mm. Do you remember this gig? It was the early two thousands okay. at Yamina Beach. It was filmed ah, yes. by uh, Channel V. Mm, mm. Now. The thing is about this gig, I'm from Yumina. Mm-hmm. You know how, like, in Adelaide, when the Beatles came, it was like two thirds <laughs> of the of Adelaide city went to see the Beatles play. Mm-hmm. Well, that same thing happened with you guys, just in Yumina. Like yeah. two thirds of Yumina turned up. Smaller population, to be fair. 
Yeah, slightly. Yeah. Slightly small. But two thirds turned oh, up yeah. and there was someone with a with a couch. Someone drove a couch onto the um on the field. Oh wow. And the couch stayed on the field for like <laughs> days and days. Oh really? They got yeah. left there. I'm sorry. Yeah. I feel like that that was like a, a Channel V event. They used to do such great things for Australian music and they would just set up often on a beach. Yeah. In a beach town. And yeah, it was the best. And I don't know if that one was we were playing on the back of the bus or if there was a Channel V bus there as well. But um we used to it was, yeah, it was so much fun, those shows. And I do remember the Uminer show. I feel like we would play those shows and then have to go and play a proper gig to for money because those shows you generally do for free. Right. So but, Channel um, yeah. So but I mean, amazing publicity. Jesus of Christ. Of course. Uh, yeah. Osher Gunsberg, back when he was known as Andrew G, that's announcing right. you on the stage, that's going to be doing great things for your band. Channel V was so good back was, then. Yeah, very, I mean, we... we um, like every, once again, it was before Jason and I had started doing interviews. So we'd, um, we would treat the the hosts absolutely mercilessly. But, um, yeah, it was so much fun. All of those people uh, that used to work, it was, uh, uh, there was a McLeod, was it Leah McLeod, Sarah's sister. And there was um, obviously Yumi and James and Andrew back before he was Osher and um, Jabba, all of those people. It was, um, and it was, I feel like they got away with a lot as well back then. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of it was live too. Yeah, 100%. you know, the, the, down at um, Fox Studios was all live, all that stuff. Bob, but do you reckon that that sort of crushed a bit of the Australian live music thing? Just them taking away that. I remember so many kids in high school would find their bands through Channel V, mm. and they would they would listen to the, watch those shows religiously. And now and then when they just all of a sudden just decided to pull out pull that away. I mean, yeah. you I, only had Triple J, and Triple J is great for that sort of but thing. But it's not visual, though. And, no. And I, I think, yeah, I mean, but, and before that was recovery, but I think the, there's like a, a sort of a, a catch-22, or, you know, they, they both cause the other, because obviously the reason that the, those things get cancelled is because people consume their music in different ways, and people aren't turning on Channel V anymore. They're watching stuff online, you know, and, and obviously that's changed so much now as well, and so people were spending less time finding their fav- new favourite band by watching Channel V, they're fine. Back then, they were probably finding it by clicking through uh, Facebook or whatever, you know, and, yeah. and or YouTube. And now, obviously, it's TikTok and all that stuff. So, I, I, I people always talk about bringing back recovery, bringing back Channel V, and all that stuff. And it's just you got to go where the people are. So you got to go online. But then, yeah. why were people going to watch a live show online where they might see something they like when they can just find stuff immediately anywhere in the world you know it's a uh, it's such a hard thing and i'm really glad that i'm not involved in that part of the business yeah the online thing i mean oh, look it is uh, so much easier to find um bands nowadays but you know it is sad that you lose things like uh you, you know watching live bands on live tv that yeah but then they do their own live tv I mean, that, and that was interesting during the um the start of the covid pandemic Everyone having to, you know, there was no no live gigs, so you couldn't you couldn't even go to Ocean View Cafe or Wombrel and play a gig. It was ridiculous. So you had to do stuff at home, and so everyone was doing stuff online. And um, I know um, that one of the first ones that um, Emily Ullman started was the Isolate Festival, and that was literally bands or artists mm. with their phone, you know, chalked up against a book. On, on their kitchen table and playing songs down the phone for 25 minutes. Yeah, right. And then it would go to the next one and then another band. And they, they did this for like a year of Isolate every Saturday. It was, a, it was the best. And Jimmy Barnes did about, uh, he, I think he did a whole, it was like every, almost every night. It was just him That's, and Jane. I think and he's still doing that. Is he really? I'm, <laughs> so I'm pretty sure man, he's still man, doing it. Me and my wife would just, you know, even if we'd missed him, we'd just go and so, did you see this one? He's done, he's done this song. He's done this song. And suddenly, you know, when the lockout law started to ease a little bit, there'd be more guests, you know. Be the yeah. fam- well, Mahalia, Jimmy's daughter, lives down. Used to live down the road from Jimmy, 
uh, in my broadcast area in right. in, uh, in Barrama in the Southern Highlands. So they would all they were they were in their own cluster, so they could in lockout. They were allowed to be in the same house. But yeah, it's such a. Um, I very much enjoyed watching a lot of live <laughs> stuff just online from our couch. The uh, the first, the, especially the first year of lockdown, which was we had a uh, we had a drunken year of lockdown. Yeah, and then we had the sober year, and we we stopped drinking during lockdown. And you're Possibly, still sober? Yeah, still sober. Yeah. Still sober. Wow. Yeah. And the first year though was 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 not sober. Oh yeah, that first year. I think I think it's going to go down in the history books, isn't it? It's going to they're going to do all these surveys in years to come. They're going to realise how drunk everyone got in that at that first year yeah. because everyone was like, "This is so weird. This has never happened. I've got to stay at home." And mm. what do I do? I just, I just drink, and you have no like you have no obligations outside of work if you if you can work. And so and for us, for my obligations, we're going away every weekend and playing shows, and so instead of that, we just sit at home and. You know, maybe watch shows and then just drink. Because what else? Yeah, we even did like online whiskey tasting from yeah. a local. There's a pub down the road. <laughs> Hal and Wolf would do it, and they would. They I actually picked up the the, the the little whiskey samplers, but they were driving around whiskey samplers. It was ridiculous the way that the alcohol laws changed during COVID. Oh yeah, people were making cocktails, cocktails, and putting them out on yeah. their on the like the yeah. the shop front. And and them, <laughs> well, we had we had uh, one of the I think it was Hal and Wolf, one of the ones in Wollongong, would put these little plastic lids on, and they'd on a push bike ride. You know, like Uber Eats style, Uber booze, yeah. um, you know, freshly mixed cocktail around people's houses around Wollongong. It was, uh, yeah, it was pretty funny watching with another hundred people from around the Illawarra and around the world, watching these two guys in a pub telling us, okay, now drink now, everyone at home, drink now. And you should be tasting some, you know, the, tasting some oak, tasting some whatever. Um, it brought yeah. had to be so like innovative, especially yeah. if you had a business. Oh, for sure. And it's so, I mean, it, it is you know, it's just so horrific for so many businesses, but gosh, it was good seeing people, the way people uh, managed to get through it. I uh, I was talking to a mate today just at a, at a baby queue. Mm-hmm. We didn't cook a baby. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that yeah. was. I just wanted to thank you. I'm yeah, glad no, it was meat, that. but it was for mm. the baby that was coming. Oh, you know, nice. the 40th and a baby queue. You are absolutely and in Lindsay that in the car. Bucket. It's, it's right. a busy. It's a busy Saturday. <laughs> uh, one of the bikes there. He um he stopped drinking in October last year, and I said to him, "How do you feel?" And he said, "He felt, felt the best he ever mm. has." So is that, is that the same for you? I, I was annoyed that I didn't get the amazing, oh, my God, I'm a reborn human being right now um, feeling. I get I, – I obviously don't – I never really got terrible hangovers anyway. So that's like – I didn't get that, which is annoying. But, um, yeah. but I definitely feel like I get less anxiety at the end of a weekend, which is nice, you know, like going back to work kind of feeling. And what was your poison? Um, well, I was telling this friend, a friend this story, actually. So we would – uh, it was my wife's birthday. She's in her mid thirties, um, and uh, a couple of years ago, in her early to mid thirties, I uh, bought her for her birthday thirty-four bottles of whiskey. Nice. That was our that was our my birthday present for her. And this is in the the, the year of lockdown where this made very much sense. <sighs> and so yeah, just, just drinking a uh, just straight whiskey on ice is the best. I think that's also you don't get too many hangovers if you're just drinking straight whiskey yeah. on ice, unless you obviously. Um, drink a whole bottle, but that's the thing. You you know when you uh, you're with your your mates or with your partner, and you finish a bottle of whiskey, and you're like dropping out the last drops, and you're like, whoa, we drank a whole bottle. That's amazing. <laughs> wow, I feel, you know, wow, I can't believe we did that. When you've got 34 bottles, yeah, you finish a bottle, you just grab the next bottle, <laughs> and there's no reason not to because you're in lockdown. 
you know, work is essentially reading out the COVID stats every day for three hours yeah. and talking to Norman Swan, yeah. and, you, and, you're, <laughs> and you're at home every weekend, so there's no reason to not reach for another bottle. So, yes, uh, <laughs> I actually end up writing a song, like a, a very sort of Irish oh, yeah. folky song about the uh, Irish whiskey, which, is, which was our, our low road to sobriety, <laughs> which brought us to stop drinking. Very cool. I... I went to a whiskey bar once, not mm-hmm. not that long ago actually. And I'm I, I just I watch the movies and it looks cool. Like it, it just looks yeah. cool. You know, you're the gangsters. They, mm. they they put the glass down and they put the big uh, ice cube in yep, there and they yep. pour a little bit. And I'm like, I need to get into it just because it looks cool. You know, like, I don't know. And every time I have it, I, I, I I'm not big on it. Mm-hmm. Went to a whiskey bar and the guy was like giving us really good nips of, of mm-hmm. good ones. And I felt so bad for him at the end because he was like. All right, boys, I've, you've got my attention for an hour and a half. Yeah. You tell me what you want, I'll bring it to the table. <laughs> and one of the blokes goes, and he was just being honest. He wasn't trying to be a prick. Yeah. He goes, four beers, thanks. Yeah, it's <laughs> nice. Oh, but it's good. It's very Australian. I yeah. um, we So this is a friends' story. Yeah. We were, were recording um, A Man's Not a Camel in America in, uh, in Redondo Beach. And uh, our uh, producer, Eddie Ashworth, amazing producer. He produced a couple of our albums. Beautiful man. And he was so... we. He'd never met us. We, we'd never met him. We'd done half the record in Australia and he invited us, you know, we did the other half in America. He invites us to his family home and uh, his wife's there and it's also very American, very sort of, uh, you know, middle class, very middle American. He knew about us because he'd, he'd seen us in Australia, so he made sure he had an esky full of beer or a cooler, a cooler full of beer for us. <laughs> and before they'd even served the the, uh, the actual dinner, I think we'd finished the cooler of beer and he so he got the other beer out of the you know the fridge okay we have this whatever you know wines or whatever and at one point there was just no alcohol left except there was a fancy bottle of whiskey oh, and he's no. like well I, I guess you guys can have have this and uh you know takes it down off the shelf and you know rips off the fancy thing and opens the cork <laughs> whatever and pours it in some glasses and then uh our uh, drummer Gordy gets some Diet Pepsi and pours it in it oh. and mix it because <laughs> we are dickhead Australians that yeah. would, would drink would be like yeah, bourbon and coke was a standard oh. drink back in the nineties. And I just remember Eddie Ashworth's face and just poured filthy Diet Pepsi into this fancy single malt scotch or whatever. And what did he did he say anything or was oh. he just? Oh, well, the the funniest thing was when uh, he was like, we we're like, oh, you got any more beer? You got any more to drink? He's like, oh no, there's more beer here. There's oh. Oh, oh, and he didn't realise we just cleaned him out of all this stuff. <laughs> it was a, uh, I mean, that whole album was about drinking, so he should have really got the idea. But, um, yeah, it was a very funny moment. Um, Tell me more about that that, that album uh, I was going through. Yeah. You know, not only was it the barbecue and um, mm-hmm. at the 40th, but I was listening to Friends of Rom today just to, you know, uh, get back into the feel of feel of things. And um, A Man's on a Camel, that mm-hmm. album, is that Friends of Rom's big one? Well, it was for the record sales, and yeah. at the time, it was like uh, we'd finally worked out how to make stuff sound good. Like yeah. the album before was uh, like so we'd done three albums before that. Yeah. I, I'd only recorded on the one before that, and uh, the first two sounded pretty tough. It didn't you couldn't really hear what was going on, and then um, Meet the Family was the one before that sounded pretty good, but it was all it was a little still a little bit amateurish. And then by by Man's Night Camel, we'd had a, sold a few records, and we could afford to get a good producer and play and record in America, and. Uh, um, yeah, it was like, wow, we get to do this. We can be a bit more expansive. We can have slower songs. We can have faster songs. We can have multiple guitars on the same yeah. song, all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it was for, – for that time, it was our absolute awesome, fun, 
big album to make and it worked out it sold out heaps too which is cool the early 90s is in the punk sort of you know it came back um obviously off the back of the grunge scene mm. but there was a period in like 99 2000 2001 where the punk started to sound polished oh yeah like and that that's around that time yeah, you're thought, talking about yeah, yeah we well because you could afford to pay people like yeah to make your record and you know and and i think some people got pretty offended by that but there were some people who got offended when friends Rom started you know going from parties to playing bolos to charging for gigs, you know, like everyone's going to get angry at you for doing everything. And there's definitely a lot of pop music on that album. Definitely very sort of, you know, slow, you know, 4-4 four, four beats yeah. rather than double and, and, and clean guitars. But there's so many, it's just so, it's also pretty, it's very funny. There's a lot of funny stuff on that album and, you know, for all of the, you know, You Are Not My Friend style pop songs, there's also, you know, ridiculous songs like Do You Want to Fight Me or... Um, what else is on that album? Oh, like I don't, I don't need your loving. All I need is an operation on my spine. <laughs> like ridiculous. Like I think we were very good. At, we were very aware that we were making stuff that was quite polished and poppy. Yeah. So we knew that we had to at least put one bullet in our foot yeah. as we were doing it. We had to shoot ourselves in the foot every, you know. So, but yeah, it was. And and for that time, that was yeah the absolute peak. And and then we the next album after that sucked, which is to be expected. You have a big album, you sign to a major label, mm. you record a crappy album. And that's what always happens. And then we started writing good good songs. What sort of cash do they, you don't have to give me a figure, but like uh, to do that man's not a camel, like it's a big money. We're talking huge. No, we, I have no idea. I honestly, okay, honestly you don't no know idea that. what we yeah. paid, but I know as a result of that, that was on Shock Records. And so they would have, they would have paid, they, you know, they pay for the album and pay for us to go over there and stuff and put us on the road at the time to sell it. And then, the band was paying me $250 a week, and that's what I was living on at that time because I couldn't get the dogs. We were travelling overseas yeah. too much. We'd travel overseas um, to America twice a year or whatever, um, and like it was in for like three months, twice a year. And um, so we were so poor at the time. I remember we were programming Rage. What an what a absolute gift. We were programming Rage, and Gordy, our drummer, who was living at my house, living in my lounge room at the time in Newtown, and me, we bought a uh, large chips, and that was our lunch and dinner oh. uh, with a loaf of bread, which is still delicious. I yeah, mean, you know, it's, we're, we're doing fine. And our bass player, who was this weird at the time, he's quite rich and uh, like sort of, you know, from a wealthy family and stuff. Like, oh, can I have a chip? Can I have a chip? And we're like, man, <laughs> that's like seriously all the food we've got. And yeah, you got money. With, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but uh, yeah, so it was, it's quite funny that the album was very expensive, and we did, but we had no money. We had absolutely no money. Like, and in America, we were paying ourselves $10 a day PDs, which is enough to get you a six-pack of Coors, for example, yeah. uh, and a pack of Siggies. So I think we both, me and Jason, both smoke Siggies then, which is very silly. But, um, actually, sorry, Jason didn't smoke Siggies in case his parents are listening. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but, no, uh, he was not. Yeah, but, uh, it, um, but yeah, so it was only after that, because of that record, though, and because of the outlay from Shock, then the next, then Sony wanted to give us an advance for the next album, and that, yeah. then we could finally start paying ourselves and paying rent and I the money that I got from that lasted me until essentially from the money from that and the money that the band started making after the 1999 when we sold to Sony mm. sold sold out which is fine <laughs> um, uh, until essentially until I um, started working at Triple J in 2004 well, so it was like five years of like actually being able to pay rent and, and being able to be in a band and not have to um, have a job or anything that is that is cool. insane yeah, that's, that's a long time yeah yeah I mean well, we were touring constantly so we we're making money touring it wasn't just from the advance and from the royalties from the albums and stuff but and what what changed from say before Man's Not a Camel like mm. what was the shows like then and then, and then after, after that, that one yeah oh we, we'd always played you know the big day out and all that and done big shows like that but I guess there was like you know I think it was more just playing 
more broadly because we started getting played on Triple J a lot more. And so we could tour all over Australia. In the year 2000, we did this tour. I think, year two, I think 2000 was the day, it was the year that um, Big Brother started. And we went, we started on tour the day that the Big Brother contestant went into the house. We finished the tour when they came out. And it was like seven or eight weeks or whatever. And we did all of Australia up and down two shows a day everywhere. Um, from, two shows a day? So yeah, you do matinees. Doing or... all ages and then an over 18s because okay. that was the all ages thing was yeah. massive. Then, and we were also, that was another th- result of having so much music played on Triple J. The all ages thing was massive. In most places. We would play to occasionally 11 kids in Tennant Creek. In fact, I think it was Tennant Creek, maybe Catherine, that we played. And uh, it was like 10 or 11 kids. <laughs> and it was hilarious. And we just got that. We just said, does anyone know how to play instruments? You want to come up and play some songs? And they ended up playing like Did they? Limp they Biscuit got or Corn <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, yeah. They were cool oh, kids. Oh, fuck. Limp Biscuit was so big at that time. Yeah, as well. oh, yeah, yeah. It was quite funny. But um, yeah, yeah. So, so, so that, I think that was what we, we could just tour constantly. And we were also spending a lot of time in America, um, you know, trying to break America, which was a lot of, a lot of expense that didn't really, because we didn't have, we didn't spend enough time. We didn't move over there or anything, you know, like band, like bands that did so well over there or had a, we never had a song on the radio over there, like Living End or anything, um, who were massive over there as well as Yeah, I, I remember the Living End's um, DVD and they went over to America and... I know that they have done well there, but I remember they were on a tour with the Vandals mm-hmm. and they they put this on their DVD. They were, like, getting booed. Yeah. Well, I imagine because people who come and see the Vandals come to see, like, yeah. a funny punk rock show and then they see this polished yeah. more rock and roll act, you know, with, like, Gretsch guitars and double basses and stuff, you know. There's a lot of stuff being shoehorned into weird positions, I think, all over the time. Like, we, we used to tour America with scar bands, which is very weird, but they were always very fun, so I think the crowd's... Uh, enjoyed like Rude Tour with Real Big Fish or Less and Jake with the first band that took us on tour. In fact, Less and Jake, our first ever American tour was with Less and Jake uh, in on the west, on the east coast. We started in Florida, made our way over, and then this band that was starting to blow up called Blink One Eighty Two. Oh, I heard the of them. Tour. Yeah, and then they it was just as they got big. Wow. And so by the time we got to the west coast, it was these giant shows in Los Angeles and stuff. It was amazing for us. I was nineteen at the time. That is insane. And what did you have much to do with those guys? Uh, actually, their their old drummer Scott Rayner. We used to hang out with him a lot. Um, the other two, they were. I guess protecting their voices or protecting their their uh, themselves from us because yeah. <laughs> we were just so we were so drunk the whole time. In fact, their their drummer probably preferred hanging out with us because he preferred to drink and they didn't that much. Um, but, well, there's rumours that that's what got him. Oh, the only alcohol, but yeah, I think I think Americans think you know anyone who has more than you know. Well, I think that is also a scientific belief. Anyone who has any more than four beers a day is an alcoholic. Yeah, but, yeah, no, they, you know, they that comes up in surveys yes, all the time. It does. Yeah, yeah. There was, we did take we yeah we went down to, with Scotty to um, Tijuana a couple of times when we were playing in San Diego, and he had a, we had a great time with him. So I was because I was nineteen, I was not technically allowed to drink in America, of course, and it didn't. It didn't cause too much of an issue, except when we got to the Viper Room, which is you know where River Phoenix died. Mm-hmm. Amazing venue, apparently. I've never been to it because. We got there, UMI and Spiderbait were playing. It was like we'd been on tour for three months or two months. Oh, my God, this is amazing. A bit taste of home. This is back when you couldn't stay in contact with your friends back at home. You had to do reverse charge calls. Yeah. And so, oh, we'll meet some, yeah, we'll hang out with some Australians. It'll be cool. And they wouldn't let me in because I was under 21. <laughs> and so the rest of the band did the correct thing and said, okay, fuck off, Lindsay. And they all went inside and left me to walk around <laughs> Los Angeles, Hollywood, yeah. by myself as a 19-year-old for a few wow. hours. 
They're incredible stories to look back and th- and think about, aren't they? Yeah, it's really kind of fun. It's a it's a very. I mean, I was it's funny, I was a massive uh, when I was a kid. I was a massive UMI fan. My girlfriend at the time. Uh, and I used to stalk Tim Rogers around Sydney. We'd like, oh, see, he's in Red Eye Records, and we always oh, in Waterfront Records. Now we'd follow yeah. him around and stuff. And he's playing um, Heartaches. He's, no, no, Hard-ons, Hard-ons. 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 Yeah, yes, he's they... playing the Hardons, who also are playing around here. They play, they played at Lincoln Pin a few months in ago. in Woolworth. Yeah, yeah, in a secret gig. Yeah. It's a pretty funny um, little renaissance for both the Hardons and for Tim Rogers. He's very much loving it. That album is great. It's going to be on my radio show this week, I think. Actually, oh, there you go. I mean, technically talking about the Rolling Stones. Um, tributes that he's doing with um, Tex Perkins and Adelita, but I imagine it'll be also about the hard-ons. The longevity of Friends of Rom, mm. like, we brought up Limp Biscuit before, they're still going. That's um, true. <laughs> That's true. They did have a bit of a, a, a downtime. Yeah, they did. They stopped for a while, but you guys haven't, and mm. you're still going. What, what is the, What is the key to that? It's not giving a, this is not caring about getting any more popular. Like, I think we, we got to a point where we were like, all right, this is it. This is where we're going to be. And now you have to decide whether you want to uh, just keep trying to push it and keep, you know, and trying to relive the glory days and all that sort of thing and just look a bit sad or just coast along. Just coast along and we decided just to coast along. So we only play when we want to play. We all live in different states. Like Jason lives in Sydney. Our drummer lives in Melbourne. Our um, bass player lives in Newcastle. So we don't see each other. When I said states, I meant cities. Uh, we don't see each other all that often but we and whenever we do it's because we want to yeah. you know and we still you know write and, and record music so that's pretty important so how's well. that work like um oh yeah how do we write and record? Yeah, yeah. how do you write and record we, and stuff? we send demos to each other and then we get together and we'll just record them and then we'll eventually record them as, a, as an album so yeah we just email stuff to each other and uh, when we get together, we've already learned the songs, so we 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 don't rehearse for shows, but we'll re- we'll rehearse new songs. And so is it Jay that's leading the recording, or do you all oh, know yeah. how, to, Jay, how to? No, Jay. Well, we record in our own yeah studios. We've got like little bedroom studios yep. that we all do stuff in. Even our drummer is getting better at doing that stuff. Um, but, uh, but yeah, he Jason records bands for a living. That's what he does. When yeah, he that's what I was about yeah. to say. So he's in. In fact, the Hardons share his. He, he and the Hardons have a sort of studio studio they share together in Marrickville. So yeah, he's um, he's the guy that does all that, and that's great. We just get in there and just bash out songs whenever we can. Last few years has been hard. We were supposed to record a couple of years ago, and obviously we didn't. Um, but we will more than likely this year. I think we've got a standing booking that's supposed to be happening in November, but. Um, I don't know. I feel, I feel like it's like June. It's June already. We've got enough songs, but I, I feel like you always think, "Fuck, well, should we write more songs just to find better ones?" You know, because we're we're definitely a, a, a quantity. Yeah. Write write the songs, get all the crap ones out of the way, so you write a good one. You know? I've heard this anyway that you mm. you've got to keep writing, writing, writing. Mm. You have about forty songs, and then you look at them and you go, "Oh, maybe I only want five, mm. and then I'll write another forty. And then is that is that the same principle? With- yeah, I think there's there's probably animals that have a, a similar idea when it comes to reproduction. They know a lot of them aren't <laughs> going to survive, so they just pump as many out as they can. That's definitely yeah. Well, yeah, and and it is, and, and you and you love all of them, and then you realise that you love some of them more than others, and then you you know you get rid of the ones you don't love, and and then you record the other ones, and the other ones you you know you you, you just sell to the hard ons, and they record them with Tim Rogers. You're two years yeah. out of the game, like not playing gigs and stuff. Mm. Obviously, you were okay. You got the radio yes, gigs. Yeah. How, how did the other boys go? Uh, well, yeah, no, it was difficult. There was um, thankfully um, the government was dragged kicking and screaming into the job seeker, mm. job keeper program, which actually our band applied for and got, which was really yep. really good. I, I mean, I didn't, but um, but yeah, our drummer has a regular gig and uh, our bass player is studying, so it was all sort of okay. That was fine. Not playing gigs did, did suck, but then I. 
started doing this weekly um, uh, live stream thing on Facebook and Instagram, which just started as a way for me. Like I was like, I'm going to force myself to play guitar, so I'll just do. I'll just turn the uh, the camera on and I'll just do it. And then I started doing it, and I did 26 episodes, so half a year. Of <laughs> I watched a few of those, and actually, one of them, you saved the crowbar. Kind oh, yeah. of, kind of. Well, yeah, you know, like, you, what did you give? You gave away your Gibson SG? Yeah, my first ever, well, my not my first ever, but my main Gibson SG that I was playing on the recording for A Man's Not a Camel. Wow. Crowbar Bar in Sydney. Um, our friends run, and of course, every venue was having so much trouble through COVID, and they've been having issues with other things as well, um, related to just getting live music happening in Sydney. No pokies, you know, that sort of a bar. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, we donated a few things, some skateboards, some CD, uh, some records, and then, yeah, I was like, oh, I've got this guitar. You want this guitar? Like, I'm just had, I've just had it set up. It's oh No, I hadn't had it set up. I had I just put strings on it. Go, oh, it actually sounds really I think good. I logged into my bank account that night, and I was like, can I do it? Can I, <laughs> can, a mate of mine, can I buy it? A mate of mine here tonight that was as well, and he was like, I had a, I had like a $3,000 cap, and I didn't think it would go over that. I'm like, well, thank you very much. And I've gone for like six grand, which is... Well, it's a pretty good guitar to start yeah, with, isn't it? It's 1970s, 72, I think, or 73 Gibson SG, um, which I bought. Secondhand in like '97 or something, and then it's been recorded on this great album. Yeah, exactly, and been used on so many tours, and you know the neck's been broken a few times and it's been fixed, but it does sounds great. It, and uh, and Reese, I gave it to him. We played a, one of the spring loaded festival gigs uh, in Hastings in the Mornington Peninsula, and yeah, I gave it to him here and there, and he very much appreciated it. I put it onto a rack with all these other fancy guitars. He's got his bit of a guitar nut. And it definitely looks out of place amongst all these beautiful, you know, uh, you know, pristine Les Oh, so he's already got too many. Well, it just looks <laughs> – it, it, it stands out, which is good, because it's got my silly stickers all over good. it and stuff, yeah. It'll, it'll also stand up because if, if you play it too hard, you'll cut yourself because it's got really sharp <laughs> edges on it from just being used so badly. For that's years. very punk. Yeah, yeah, you've got to bleed. If you're not bleeding, Yeah, no. that's if right, you, you if pussy. You, if you're bleeding when you're playing music, go and see a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't, it's got nothing to do with being tough. Oh, yeah, I've got to go and do that now. You've, play you, music. you've got to, I don't want to hold you too long. Yeah. That's, that's, that's why I'm sitting there, I'm looking at times and yeah, yeah. you've got this big show on and uh, so we're, we're, there might be some new friends or... Yeah, no, there is. We've written songs. We, 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 we play them in Soundcheck occasionally. The theory is to record in November and have it out early next year. But who knows what will happen with a band that doesn't really care too much about yeah. that sort of stuff. I mean, we do care about writing new songs, but we're just a bit lazy. As long as there's no more pandemics, we'll be... We'll be yeah, I feel like as long as the monkeypox, you know, as long as we get control <laughs> of the uh, the pustules with, associated yeah. with the monkeypox, we should be right. And I saw this um, uh, release from New South Wales Health about Legionnaires, and I was like, and it is very uh, serious. But, like, yeah. there's just so many little things, and I'm like, oh, I don't know if... I don't know if... Um, I don't know if everyone can do it. Nah. I think we're all just... We're all like in um, pandemic, like, holiday at the moment. Just, just yeah, you just, know, relaxing. Yeah, yeah. Just relaxing, no more. Just tell us about Legionnaires later. <laughs> can we just leave our, can we leave our dirty air conditioning on just for a couple yeah. more months? That's what it is, isn't it? Dirty air conditioning. That is, yeah. Like it comes from the air like conditioning. That's pretty old school Legionnaires. That is. That's like, the, like, late 90s. If I had it, I wouldn't tell anyone. I'd be like, oh, that's embarrassing. Oh, no, no, I reckon there's a bit of coolness. Like, yeah, oh, like, yeah. oh you got monkey box, do you? Interesting, yeah. I got Legionnaires. That was cool in the 90s. I got yeah. that now, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can't breathe. It's from the nineties. <laughs> well, when we when we wrote "Never Had So Much Fun," "Can't Drink the Water in Sydney" was all about the Giardia scare, which was also very late nineties. Are we allowed to talk about that song because that's my favourite song, oh, yeah, right? Of course, that yeah. is my favourite song. That's so, it. so let's let's go through that one. Um, <laughs> can't drink the water in Sydney. Yeah. Can't eat the food, food in Japan. Japan. That was because we went to Japan the first time, 
and uh, had a great time. This is like 1996, ate really well, then realised that all the stuff that we'd been told was vegetarian wasn't because uh, the different definitions of vegetarianism in different cultures. So, you know, everything's made with fish stock and beef stock and stuff. So the next time we went back to Japan because we were all vegetarian and vegan, uh, it was basically just rice and soy sauce. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so that was can't eat the food in Japan and can't breathe the air in Los Angeles because we were in Los Angeles at the time and it is filthy there. You know what's funny? You're probably talking about, you know, early 2000s, maybe 90s there. Yeah. Imagine how bad, like, it must be so bad yeah. now. If it was oh bad God. then. I actually find America has this really sweet smell from all the corn syrup in everything. It's a sweet <laughs> smell that's in everything. Um, and, uh, but yes, that is the, that's, that's where it all comes from, essentially. All right, Lindsay, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. And, and thank you for, uh, you could have left me on red. But no, that's true. I could have. But you didn't. I didn't. No. Well, take care, mate. Thank you very much. Thank you, mate. You're I'm a legend. Going, so I'm going to get out of the car, <laughs> out of our, out of our Central Coast car park. Hey, there he is, Lindsay McDougall, my very first interview on the Street Press podcast. That was episode one. I hope you enjoyed it. I thoroughly had a great time uh, interviewing Lindsay, and we uh, ever since then we've we've kept in contact. We talk quite a lot on social media and through email and whatnot. And uh, and yeah, that album that he was talking about is already out. So go and listen to Friends of Rom on Spotify. I also just want to say that night was the very first gig, and you probably heard it in the interview. Wombrel Ocean View Cafe. That was the first ever gig there that was hosted there. At the time, it seemed really weird. It was a cafe. Was this venue going to work? What was going to happen? Was it going to be the only gig there? Well, it's become almost an institution in the 18 months since then. There's gigs on there all the time. We've played there. My band has played there twice already. And they're bringing in great punk artists. So if you... I don't know where you are, wherever you are in Australia or maybe across the world. If you ever get to Australia or get to Wombrel, you want to go and check out Wombrel Ocean View Cafe. And I've been talking to Samantha, who is another promoter on the Central Coast. She gets a lot of gigs for up-and-coming bands, and I quizzed her about how someone might be able to get a gig at the cafe or the surf club, whatever you want to call it. And she said, yeah, that's awesome. Tell them to hit up hello at Outerlands. Dot live. Outerlands is O-U-T-E-R-L-A-N-D-S dot live. So hello at Outerlands dot live. That's if you're in a band or you know someone in a band that wants to play more gigs, Wombrel Ocean View Cafe is a really decent place. The best outlook of a gig anywhere in the world. I haven't checked them all out, but it's great. You're up there on the stage, you look to your right, and you can just see the surf. And on a, on a ripper day... There's no better place to have a gig. All right, it's time for this. Yeah, last week's episode drew quite a reaction. Jai Alatas, who is the founder of Below Par Records, he jumped on the show and a lot of people wrote in actually after last week's episode, mainly around the fact that he was really inspiring. Uh, Pat said, I enjoyed that episode. I remember him from the numbers days and had no idea that he was so young. He always seemed so professional. I agree completely. And one of my favourite parts of that chat last week was definitely when they were shooting emails around to all of these record executives and they just didn't want anyone to know how young they actually were running the record label. They were 16, 17 and shooting off these emails and doing a lot of work through email. Little would the other person have known who they were writing to a teenager, (laughs) which is awesome. 
A letter from Tim. He says, I listened to the Blow Part interview. Such a good story. Loved the history. Agreed. Bob, he says, a great chat. Super inspiring. Bobby says, he's got a few things in the works and he's going to go for it just like Jai did. That is what I like to hear. I love hearing that sort of stuff that maybe an episode or someone that I bring on can help you. That's what this is all about, apart from hopefully being entertaining as well. Hey, I hope you have a great Chrissy. Only a couple of days out now. I hope you've sorted all the presents and all you've got to do is sit down with a beer, eat some ham and watch some cricket. I think, did I say that in last week's episode? But that's all I'm looking forward to doing. Um, Just chilling out for the next couple of weeks. I hope you take care of yourself. And, uh, yeah, right on into the street press. Hit the letters link in the show notes. I want to hear from you. Um, I'd love to give you guys the floor. I'd love for, you know, a bunch of you to write in at the same time and maybe you want to spruik your own band. Maybe you want to spruik a business. Maybe you want to spruik what you're doing over the Chrissy break. Maybe you're going to the cricket. Maybe you're hoping that Steve Smith knocks the century like I am. Right on in. Go to the streetpresspodcast.com forward slash letters. Also at that website, if you want to support the podcast, you can do so for as little as $4 a month. From the goodness of your own heart, you'll know that you're helping me out because uh, there are fees. Obviously, I've got to pay for the podcast to go up online. Uh, I've got microphones. I've got all this other stuff in this room that I sit in that I have to pay for. And uh, and the money does help out, I suppose, if it builds up over time. <laughs> Thank you to the subscribers who have been helping me out all year. You guys are absolute legends. One of them is Tim Travers, who is a local designer. He's the guy you're going to go up to and uh, get your next design made from. He's uh, he's a legend. He does all of the Ritzy Kids stuff, and he's just so clever. I've dug his stuff for about more than 10 years now. I bumped into him somewhere along the way, driving around in the radio car, and I saw him selling T-shirts, and I loved the designs on them. I've still got those T-shirts that Tim designed. You can also find his profile in the show notes today. But... Merry Christmas, everyone. I hope you've had a great year. I hope you've had a great time. Next year is going to be an absolute cracker. My band, the Ritzy Kids, we've got plenty on. We are looking at uh, getting a bunch of gigs. We've already locked in a few gigs. And we might have new songs. Well, I actually know that we've got a few. we just got to pick and choose and work on them and do all that. But... Next year is going to be an exciting one. I hope it's great for you as well. Um, I will be trying to get some episodes out over the holiday break. So keep your ears locked on the Street Press podcast. Thank you so much for your support. Don't forget, we drop episodes every Wednesday. Hope you have a great time. Till next time. Ta-da. Ta-da.